please be seated. Well, a lot of dads like to go fishing on Father's Day. But last year, there were no Canadian fishing trips. There were no packed fish camps. Travel was limited, so were guides. But this year, we're fishing again. Though still not in Canada, they haven't quite opened it up yet, but we can dream. We can dream of those Canadian fishing trips. We can dream of a normal summer, and that's the the message series that we're in for this summer. Dreams of a normal summer. And as Christians, we dream not only of going back to all the fun things that we enjoy in the summer, we also dream of experiencing them in such a way that when this summer is over, we'll find ourselves actually closer to God than when we started. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And that includes fishing. I give thanks to God for one of the, the great experiences of my life, uh, the best fishing trip that, that I was ever on. A friend had a cancellation on a trip to Lake Michigan, and he invited me and, and one of my sons along. Now, Corey was maybe seven years old, and this would be his first big fishing trip. And as uh, you do on those boats, you, you draw straws, you take turns of who's going to catch, uh, who's going to reel in the fish, because you have all these rods out, and, uh, and then one person fights the fish at a time. And when it came time for Corey to reel it in, he hooked into the biggest lake trout that I'd ever seen. 28 pounds, that, that's not me or, or Corey, by the way. <laughs> that, that, those are some Canadians. Um, but 28 pounds was, was half his weight. And the, the fight was so difficult, I had to go underneath the fishing pole like this and hold it up, otherwise the fish would have just ripped it from his hands. But eventually he got it in and we netted it, and he was so proud, and I was even prouder. And I was so thankful that my friend had invited us to go fishing with him. It was an experience we'll never forget. And the people in the Bible, they had a lot of of fish stories that they never forgot. There's Jonah, who was swallowed by the big fish. I don't know if you saw in the news that last, uh, about a week ago off of Cape Cod, there was a lobster diver who was swallowed by a humpback whale. And he must not have agreed with the the whale's uh, digestion either, because just like Jonah, he was spit out and he lived to tell the tale. You can go look that up uh, uh, and read more about it. The Bible also tells the story of Peter catching a fish with a coin in its mouth to pay the taxes for Peter and Jesus. If you want to look that story up, you can go to Matthew 17. And then, of course, there's the story of the boy and his lunch. He had the five little loaves of bread and the two fish. And he shared them And Jesus fed the crowd. But the most important story of fishing in the Bible is the one where Jesus calls his apostles to go fishing for people. We find it in Matthew 
chapter 4. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Like my friend, Jesus invited his friends to go fishing. Not for trout, but for people. And it changed their lives. From the very beginning, following, has, following Jesus has meant fishing for people. And learning to fish is something that we can do to help us in our discipleship. Maybe even the fishing that we do this summer will help us to learn and grow in our call to fish for people. And there's one thing that, that I've learned about fishing, and that is when you go fishing, you have to decide what you're going to fish for and what you're going to fish with. Different bait catches uh, different fish. I mean, you, you're not going to try to fish for walleyes using an old shoe for bait. You want to give the walleyes something that they want to eat. When my kids were in 4-H, one of them was in the fishing project and decided to do an experiment uh, for a poster for the, for the fair. I don't know if you've been to the 4-H buildings at fairs, um, and they've got all these posters of their projects. And he was going to do an experiment for his uh, fishing project. And what he did is he got three different baits, and we lived right near the Mississippi. He got three different baits, and that summer he spent an equal amount of time fishing with, with each one of those baits. And then he kept track of everything that he caught, and that became his, uh, his project, which is the best bait. And he found out that, that it really depends on what you define as the best bait. Depends on what you're fishing for. He fished with leeches, with worms, and with minnows. And what he discovered was that leeches caught the most kinds of fish. From sunfish to sheep's head to walleyes. The worms caught the most number of fish, mostly sunfish. And the minnows caught the biggest fish, 36-inch northern. Now, let me use this little ex experiment to try to help us think about fishing for people. And this is going to be a little stretch, but think about being the bait that attracts people to Jesus. You could go for attracting the most kinds of people. In other words, you could, could be a leech. Now, I know that's normally not something you want to think of yourself as. I mean, who wants to think of themselves as a blood-sucking leech? <laughs> but, but remember, in the experiment, the leech was the bait that attracted the most kinds of fish. And maybe as, as a Christian, being a leech is a good thing. 
You know, the biblical church was so attractive to people because it was so unlike Roman society. Roman society, everybody kept to their own little group. And they were split up with, by race and class and, and nation and, and sex. And, and you stuck with your group and you didn't make friends with anybody else. You didn't associate with other people. It was like a school of fish that was all the same and you just swam with your own kind and you avoided everybody else. That was Roman society. But the followers of Jesus were visibly different. Jesus attracted all kinds of people and they ate together, and they worshiped together, and they served together, and they considered themselves a part of one family. They called each other brothers and sisters in Christ. Galatians 3 describes it this way. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There's neither male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And the world noticed. The world took note. Like a leech, the church attracted all kinds. And I wonder if maybe we haven't strayed a little bit from that way of life. I don't think the world looks at us Christians and notices how different we are from society. It's, I think it, uh, it maybe sees us having some of the same differences and ridiculous divisions that, that plague society in general. My dad describes growing up in, uh, in a small Minnesota town during the Depression, and, and actually there were two towns, um, but all together there were less people than there are that worship at Rez. And the two towns were separated by what we called the crick. The crick was about 10 feet wide and about 10 inches deep. And on one side was, was one town, and, and that's where, where the Norwegians and others like my father's family lived. And on the other side of the crick lived the Swedes or as uh, the Norwegians called them, the dumb Swedes. So the Norwegians thought it was divine providence when a tornado came through town and took out the Swedish part. You know, we laugh at, at those kinds of ridiculous distinctions between Norwegians and Swedes, but I don't think God laughs when we separate by nationality or, or by class or race, especially in the church. I think God likes it when we're like leeches, attracting all kinds of different people and drawing them to salvation in Jesus Christ. That's why one of our five visions here at Resurrection Church is that we look like our community, that we are reaching out to everybody here and trying to draw them into Jesus. Now, you, you can't reach out to, if somebody's not there, we're not going to be able to to reach out and bring them. You can't, you can't fish for what's there. You can't fish for whales in the Mississippi, even if you have a lobster diver for bait. But everybody here, we can. And what if we fished for every kind of person we possibly could? Anybody that we encountered or meet. You know, even, even reaching out with our live streaming is a way to, 
to try to reach more people and connect with people of every kind so that we can all be drawn together to salvation in Christ. What if we fished for every person possible so the world would see that there's neither Jew nor Greek, nor slave nor free, male nor female, Swede nor Norwegian, but we are all one in Christ here at Resurrection Church and that God has drawn us together to be Christians. God needs some good leeches. But worms are good too. Especially if, if you know the, the trick. You know, no bait is more common than, than worms. I mean, if you, if you started fishing, you probably started with worms. And yet in the experiment, the worms caught the, the most number of fish. Now, and you may not have the kind of special evangelism gifts that allow you to, to connect with people of every kind and connect those people to Jesus. But you don't have to have special gifts. You can do you and still attract people to Jesus, just as you are. In the story of the boy with his fish lunch, it was just a normal picnic lunch. It wasn't even as as special as a baguette and brie. And it was just, just a normal lunch. But when he shared it with Jesus, thousands of lives were changed. The story's in John chapter 6. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he had already in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in that place, and as they sat down, about 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. You can be a worm. You can put your ordinary life in Jesus' hands, and you can bring more people to Jesus than you can count. But I mentioned a trick. In my tackle box, I have something called a worm blower. And it's a little bottle with a needle in it that you use to fill up the worm with air. And it makes it look fatter, but more importantly, it lifts it up off the bottom where it's more visible to the fish. Now, we Christians, we don't have worm blowers to make us more attractive. But we do have something that, that transforms us. It's called the Hagios Pneuma the divine breath, the Holy Spirit. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, even the most common, ordinary person becomes attractive. People notice and they want to know what the difference is with us. What do we have that makes us seem so special? And that's when we connect them to Jesus. We bring them into the boat, into the church, so to speak, so maybe God has made you more of a worm than a leech. 
Either way, you're fishing for people. Now in the final bait that my, my son used in his experiment, it was minnows. And if we keep following this, this same analogy, the, the minnow caught the biggest fish. And so I suppose I could tell you to go out and go attract the big fish to Jesus. Attract those big fish. There's a, a comic called Kudzu. Um, used, to, uh, used to be in the papers. And the main character was a, was a classic southern preacher named Reverend Will B. Dunn. And, and Reverend Dunn had an epiphany. He noticed that so many churches were trying to reach the poor and the left out and the addicted and, and the struggling. But what church, he asked, is, is trying to, to minister to the fabulously wealthy, to the millionaires and the billionaires. So he announced to his church that they were going to have a new ministry, a ministry to the fabulously wealthy, and he encouraged all of his members on the next Sunday to bring somebody who is fabulously wealthy to church with them. Now, of course, uh, no one did. And if I issued the same challenge, I would probably get the same result. And so did the early church, because most of the big fish of society didn't have time for Jesus. The big fish were not the ones that became a part of that early church, at least not many. 1 Corinthians describes the early church this way. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So maybe we need to, to switch up our analogy for this one. Don't be a minnow, fish for them. Fish for the people that, that most other people would overlook. Did you know that there are competitive minnow fishermen? Do we have any here? No, probably not. I, I didn't know they existed, but they're called micro-fishers. These are, are people who compete to see how many different kinds of minnows and other tiny little fish that they can catch. They have tournaments, they have trophies, the whole nine yards. I saw that one guy from St. Paul had caught 57 different species of, of little fish, including the uh, black-spotted top minnow, the horny head chub, the nine-spined stickleback, and the Ozark mad tom. Now all of these are, are smaller than, than some of the baits that we use, and they're certainly considered worthless to most people. Most people ignore them, overlook them, consider them worthless. But to the microfishers, they're precious, even worthy of a trophy. 
Many people that the world considers worthless, overlooked, and ignored are likewise precious to God. And Jesus invites us to fish for them too. So we're getting back to a normal summer. We're able to go fishing, at least uh, in Minnesota and Wisconsin. And on Father's Day, I'm, I'm sure that, that some of our diehard fisher people are already out there, even though it's supposed to rain. That's just the way fishermen are. But you know, Jesus invites us to fish with him every day of the year. And some of us can be, can be like leeches. We can connect with everyone and anyone and connect them to Jesus. And some of us can be like, like worms, just ordinary Christians who live irresistible lives because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And some of us can fish for minnows, for reaching out to people who the world usually ignores. I mean, I almost wanted to put a sign up on the church today that said, live bait. But then I thought, maybe I'm pr- pushing this analogy just a little too far. So, so let me just end this way. One of the great times in my life happened because a friend of mine invited me to go fishing with him. And you have a friend of yours that invited you to go fishing with him. His name is Jesus, and it's up to you. Will you join him and maybe have the greatest experience of your life? It's all up to you, but he's given you the invitation. Come, and I'll teach you to fish for people. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, we've spent uh, some time thinking about, about fishing and how it might help us to get some insights into you and and your call to us. Lord, it's been kind of fun, but the greater fun is when, when you can use us to help somebody else grow in their faith. And you can use us. You can use us even though we might be leeches and worms, minnows even, you can use us. So thank you for the invitation. Thank you for inviting us to join you in fishing for people. And we accept the invitation.